This is the Small Town Youth Ministry Podcast, Episode 5, Navigating Small Church Politics. to the podcast. My name is Kyle Creel, and today I have the wonderful Mark Davis joining me again as co-host. Say hello, Mark. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me again. Well, the pleasure is mine. Although before we begin today, we want to announce that since our last episode, we have made available the Whoever Finds God Finds Life teaching series, and it is free to absolutely everyone. It's a four- lesson bundle with small group questions as well as graphics for teaching and social media for you to post each week all you have to do to pick it up is go to our facebook page and click the link to download it or send us an email at smalltownyouthmenpodcast at gmail.com and we will send you back a copy no cost no personal information needed there's no gimmicks this is just our gift to you listeners You see, it's all part of our mission of this podcast to encourage and equip small church and rural area youth workers. Now, another way we try to fulfill that mission is by talking about issues as you experience them. One area I believe that can be far different experience for our audience opposed to other church settings is going to be the subject matter of this episode. But first, I want to tell you a story. It was my first month of my first full-time ministry job. And before service on Sunday, I was standing in the foyer or narthex lobby area, whatever have you at your church. And a member of the church who had a kid in the youth group had initiated a conversation with me. And I don't really remember what the original conversation had been about, but quickly the conversation turned into what I had thought about the paint job of the foyer. And very carefully, I tried to comment on it without making any critiquing comments as to not insult her if she had been involved in the project. But to my surprise, it seemed that she was actually fishing for critiquing comments. What proceeded was the opening of an emotional floodgate as she recanted a tear-filled tale uh, of how her mother had painted this foyer originally and worked so hard on it, and it stayed that way, appreciated for years until... Someone decided to paint it over uh, only a year after her mother's passing, and it was very uncomfortable, to be honest. It reminded me of like an episode of The Office, uh, for those listeners who watch that show. And you know, I wasn't really sure even what she wanted, but I was luckily saved from the situation by the starting of the service. I could hear the piano starting, and I was like, oh, well, I, I got to go. Service is starting. <laughs> Man, that, that situation is hard to even know what to say or even how to comfort the person, right? Yeah, uh, and it wasn't only because I was completely unaware of the situation, but it was also because I knew in a way that I was being asked to take a position on something that I had no stake in, and I knew that could be a pretty volatile situation. You see, today we're going to be talking about navigating small church politics. Uh, To clarify, we're not talking about real-world politics or things that get debated in every church, like 
committee procedures and leadership struggles or the board's annual battle for the budget, we're going to be talking about the unique world of when long-standing generational families start to take hold of the decision-making process or when people hold on to grudges for decades rather than move on either emotionally or literally to another church if they can't forgive because there's no other church for them to attend in the area. And even when successful individuals have become big fish in small ponds and they think that they can call the shots over the guppies. Before we begin, however, though, we need to make a disclaimer. Whenever dealing with conflict resolution, we agree that the best course is to recognize what Jesus says in Matthew 18. But you have undoubtedly read that before, heard sermons on it, and there's more than enough blog posts on the internet regarding it. So we aren't going to waste time rehashing those words today. What we are going to focus on and discuss is advice on how to act while doing the method that Jesus presented there. Uh, So let's begin, Mark, first with the things we need to know before we ever get caught in an event like that. And the first thing I would have to say is that there's certainly some people that will do you the favor of ousting themselves as troublemakers prior to conflicts, if you're vigilant enough to notice. Would you agree? Absolutely. And some will hide among your flock, uh, but I think it's good to recognize troublemakers will come if you're vigilant and faithful to the work that God's given you. Uh, we have to remember that Jesus even told us that this would happen in John 16, He said, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, I would be kind of concerned if a ministry didn't have any troublemakers show up. Uh, So take heart if troublemakers are coming your way. It probably means you're in some good company. It probably means you're doing some things right. Very true. Don't think you failed because you've attracted them. Rather think... Yay, I've succeeded. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So here are a few ways we were talking prior to this of how we have noticed them. And I have tried to make the terms we're going to use here uh, universal for people to uh, grasp. We have some international listeners, so we're not going to use anything that sticks to the American label system of people you might refer to these individuals as. So just uh, take that with a grain of salt. The first one that I was keenly made aware of when I was candidating for that first job, the senior pastor told me, beware the one that meets you at the station. And I had to ask him what that meant. Apparently, it was this old phrase, this saying uh, that said, the ones who come to you first often have hopes of winning you over. They're looking to hook you with favors, pressure you in to certain expectations they have for your coming ministry, um, or they want to interpose their own versions of the truth early on concerning people, uh, past events, or the cultural climate. Uh, These are ones who they have an agenda when they come to see you, and they're going to try to squeeze it in early one way or another. Another individual who you should be able to identify quite quickly is what we're going to call the bravado. Usually this person is loud and they talk freely. They like showing off. I mean, their affiliations are on their trunk bumper stickers and you can't seem to have them anywhere without them ruffling someone's feathers. And they know they have a strong voice, 
But ironically, they still are always looking for ways to assure themselves that they are heard and that they have power. And I want to iterate that it isn't always a male. I had one of these who was the guardian of her nephew uh, that was in our youth ministry. And she was a uh, rough lady, <laughs> just to say uh, things very simply. Uh, so that is the bravado. And lastly, the ones who definitely show themselves out is like the person in my story at the beginning of this episode that I call the affirmation seeker. This is the person who wears their heart on their sleeve. Uh, and they may or may not clearly have some emotional baggage that needs tended to. Uh, they are looking for someone to side with them, someone to agree with them that something was wrong or that they were right in how they did something. A lot of times these are actually not church matters that the person is looking for attention on, but rather family troubles. Mm. And so I would note that of just these three, and there could be more, uh, there's a shared thing in common with all of these and how you can identify them is that they're looking for an ally, maybe like a yes man or yes woman. Um, even if in reality you don't possess the sway to make a difference into their perceived plight whatsoever. Would you agree, Mark? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's good to be aware of these things. You know, you got the the bravado, you've got the one that meets at the station, the affirmation seeker, they all wear different hats. Uh, it's good to be aware of these. So we definitely have a category of people that you can tell uh, off ahead of time before trouble ever comes, but there are others that won't make themselves as known. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they aren't willing to play some hardball. There can be a lot of different kinds. Like we said earlier, there's the big fish in the small pond. It's those whose success has turned them arrogant. They think because they own a business or have a major title in your community, then they have pull at your church. There are the insecure. These are people who think, hey, that could have been me, or I could do things better than you. And that might even be deep-seated into something like they'd once had a call to ministry when they were younger, but they never really took it seriously. And now there might be a little bit of a grudge there. Yeah, or people that think they can do your job more efficiently, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then there's gatekeepers. Uh, these are people that kind of feel they have an ownership over the church as a whole and want every decision ran through their fingers. And, and this can include power families. Uh, and these people often have a very deep love for the church historically. Mm -hmm. um, but these are people that, that really want a hold of everything. Um, yeah, and I think that's very insightful because especially for us in the smaller and rural area churches, gatekeeper families are very common, especially when there's generations in attendance at the church. And uh, something that can be really rough, particularly with that crowd, as well as really any of these crowds, but especially those, is I find them often like Pharisees of the New Testament. You will draw their attention when you threaten their systems. Yeah, and like the Pharisees, they may plot against you. Uh, but again, a reminder to you listening, take heart because you're in good company when that happens. They did the same to our Lord. Yes, yes, exactly. So... We have a bit of advice for you, whether these are the people who 
speak loudly and they already kind of show themselves as troublemakers before conflict ever comes around, or it's the group of people who are not as spoken but equally as powerful and in struggles. We would suggest that you find somebody, an individual that you can look to for guidance, who can show you through previous historical situations and uh, family matters that have happened before your time. I would call this guide like your Jethro to your Moses or your uh, neighbor Wilson to your Tim Taylor. Uh, my family's been watching a lot of home improvement lately. I, I love it. Yeah, someone someone that you're looking for knows the church history of the church you're serving at that can give you insight into why things are the way they are. The first church that I served at, there was a distrust aimed at me from the beginning simply because of the misconduct of a student leader, not the one before me or the one before that one, but three leaders before me had done damage that had lasted three eras of student ministry because of one person. Mm -hmm. And I really, I, I wasn't aware of this. Uh, it, it took some time for me to even realize this, and it took a person telling me, another deacon, a mentor, that gave me insight into why I was facing some of the challenges that I was facing. So that's what's so important to have that person there that you can go to for wisdom and guidance in these situations before the situations ever come up, or at least when the confrontations go down, which is where we'll pivot into now. Uh, we've talked to you about having a good idea of what's going on before it ever comes, but what about when you are in the middle of the conflict? How can you act in the middle of that conflict? We have four quick pieces of advice we'd like to give you. First one is this. We encourage you to take half as much time talking as you are listening. Probably even more than that. You see, God gave you two ears and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and only one mouth. Uh, so for you to actually listen to what's going on in the situation and discern from God the truth of the matter before you speak, uh, we would strongly encourage you to use those accordingly. You, your mouth is outnumbered. So listen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, listen. Like Kyle's right on the head right here. Like you use the discert, the gift of discernment. Uh, that God has given you to you to listen, um, but also remember who's speaking to you, what their motives might be. That That's the key part of the discernment there. Mm -hmm. Not everyone that's going to be speaking to you or seeking your attention or input on matters is speaking you out of a concern with the kingdom in mind or to see your ministry do well. Yeah. We want to see those appetizing things that the ear wants to hear and recognize them merely as things just of the flesh. Now, second, we want to tell you to not choose small hills to die on. When I was in an internship the summer after I graduated, I remember reading about this phrase, deciding which hill is worth dying on, meaning which battles are really worth taking a stand for, even if it costs you your job, versus which ones are you just exercising a personal preference or, or pride is getting in the way. Well, the very next week after reading this, I was talking to the pastor that I was working under about troubles with a person in the church and ended up regurgitating that little chestnut. And I can still remember the pastor telling me that that had showed wisdom beyond my years and that if I could remember that lesson, I would be making it in the long haul for ministry. 
Man, there there is so much good truth in that statement, Kyle. And to those of that are listening right now, make sure that you know your mountains from your molehills. It it is good to establish your non negotiables in ministry from the start. Before you even take a position, right? Make them known. Make them known why they are your mountains and not molehills. A good question to ask yourself, are your mountains based in Scripture? If not, they probably shouldn't be mountains. And some youth pastors might, you know, not like hearing this, but if your mountain is not doing a a lock-in, you're probably (laughs) flexing a personal preference, like Kyle mentioned earlier. Um, In my first meetings with parents, new and old, I always include a list of my ministry goals, targets, and foundations that we rest on so everyone knows what our non-negotiables are. Yes. So thing number three we would tell you is to bounce back with grace. We all know from the Gospels that we have been given abounding grace, and God calls us to show the same. I remember the first time someone had ever really challenged my leadership in an underhanded way. I was running a vacation Bible school at my first church. It wasn't even in my requirements, but I volunteered for the position, and we ran this pirate-themed VBS, and I remember that uh, from Oriental Trading Company or something, I got, like, these vinyl drop sheets with, like, these pirate characters on them. One was male and one was female, and uh, we had hung them over the entry doors as the kids came in. And they were there the first day of VBS, but then when I got there the next morning, they were gone. And I had no idea what happened to the pirate decorations. And I was like, this is weird. And I was kind of thinking in my head all sorts of things that could have happened to them. Um, but I didn't let it stop me from focusing on the task before me. I had to keep focus on what was important rather than find out, you know, what was at the bottom of this injustice done to my decorations. And I didn't make a big show of it either because as people started showing up for the day, people are asking, where are the pirates? I'm like, I don't know. Even kids were like, where are the pirates? Let's go. And I, I just played it off and it's like, nah, I don't really know. Well, because of that attitude that I took, the guilty party came forward, uh, not just to me, but to all the leaders. Like, all well, the kids were away at snack time and they openly apologized that I did something wrong. Um, it was me. I took those down because I thought they were too frightful for the children and I realized that wasn't my call. And Kyle acted uh, just amazingly and I want to apologize and I want to know how can we make this right. Well, we just did not stay focused on that. We wanted to get right back to ministry that we were doing as if it didn't happen. Uh, so we worked it into the day as some kind of scavenger hunt to find the lost pirates and the, the kids had a great <laughs> time with it. But I brought, I bought a lot of credibility that day with that person because I chose to bounce back with grace. Man, that's a brilliant move on your part too. <laughs> I, I don't think that it was, it was the Holy Spirit. We're just going to give the Holy Spirit. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. Uh, our three pieces of advice were to talk half as much as you're listening or less. Don't choose the small hills to die on and to bounce back with grace. But this last piece of advice is a sort of a caveat to those things. Um, you see, it doesn't mean that we should strive to sidestep out of the way of conflict that we should always be riding the fence. Our last piece of advice to you would be to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. 
And this has been a personal failure of mine, honestly, um, that I still struggle with sometimes. I just want to get out of the way, um, pat, try to pat things over real quick and patch things up uh, and, and hopefully uh, hope for low casualties. And I haven't done the best job at really what we're called to do, which is finding resolution and reconciliation. That is the goal, resolution and reconciliation. We don't need to be playing political games that take non-confrontational easy roads in hopes of not rocking the boat. Sometimes things just need to be handled in a way that won't have everyone end up seeing eye to eye, but we're not trying to find ways to please all parties. Often when we do that, those efforts are just temporary appeasements that don't fix the problem and they end up wasting more time and energy than anything else. Yeah. And, and I've got a little story that I can share and relate to this. Um, our youth group, you know, at, at a church I was at past, um, was given a space to make our own just to, just to be real. We were excited. You know, this space had been used for storage. It had a lot of, um, ugly features to it. There was a fence that was cosmetically unappealing. Um, the, the students were just thrilled to have their own space. And we wanted to take this fencing down. We wanted to take some of the ugly, unappealing cosmetics down because it wasn't going to be used for that uh, purpose anymore. It wasn't going to be a, a storage facility. It was going to be the youth's space. I went through the proper channels. I asked our deacon body, um, this was a, a deacon-led church. I got the thumbs up from everyone to do the project. Zero objections were made. So that after, an afternoon that week, uh, my father-in-law and I, who was also involved in that meeting, we took the stuff down. Uh, we even had someone lined up to take the fencing away from us so we didn't have to worry about where we were going to store it. So we took it down, and I got to work on setting up the space for the students. After the project was done... And about a week later, a gatekeeper, as we described earlier, came into my office to tear me a new one. Uh, and in the middle of his angry tirade, I, I wanted to keep the peace. I desired to try and keep the peace. And I mentioned that we didn't need to make a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, but he made sure that I knew that this was going to be a mountain issue to him. <sighs> uh, yeah, I was not excited about that. Uh, he left the office, and I was left there shaken. I was discouraged. I was upset. I have to confess, like, in my flesh, I didn't want to be the peacemaker in that situation. Uh, this was someone that actually sat in the room when I was describing what I was going to do, and they didn't object to the project. Uh, I spent that afternoon in prayer and seeking God, uh, thinking about how I should respond next. He came back later, and, and the Holy Spirit just gave me discernment in that moment and showed me that it wasn't just an anger for me, but he loved that church. So I offered to let him see the work that we had done, even though he'd already seen it. I wanted to show him the vision for the space that we were going to do. Uh, we eventually hugged. Uh, we eventually walked away from that situation, still believing the other was wrong in what we did, you know, <laughs> and, and each other did. He was still upset with me, um, and I was still firm in my decision. And ultimately, God brought peace out of that very tense situation. Uh, but it was a situation that I knew that God had blessed, and I wasn't going to, you know, bow down to the desires of a man. Uh, I wasn't going to let that stand in the way of what God was directly telling us to do as a part of our ministry. 
Um, so that's that's sometimes the situation that you're presented. <laughs> yes, exactly. I appreciate that story. Thank you so much for sharing it, Mark, um, because that really sums up a lot of these things, but especially the clarification of what I meant from being a peacemaker to a peacekeeper. Uh, so hopefully the audience got that as well, but feel free to contact us if we uh, need to hash that out a little bit more for you. And when you contact Mark, please uh, preface with, the nickname for the man uh can can you tell us that on the podcast his self proposed uh, nickname yeah sure <laughs> yeah iron man or ironhead ironhead is his professed nickname <laughs> can you tell the story about how he got that name uh because he is so stubborn he he uh has an iron like head <laughs> yes yes stubborn in his ways and and that was one that he gave that was given to him and he wears proudly so, yes. so yeah, uh, the tales of Ironhead. Well, yes. Anyways, uh, to wrap things up here, let's just do a quick review of what we talked about here today. Uh, remember, there are going to be some people who do you the favor of ousting themselves as troublemakers if you're willing to look for the signs. Uh, there are others who don't make themselves as known, but that's why it benefits for you to have a guide, someone wiser and older than you who's been around in the church who can guide you through those situations. And when you end up in those situations, remind you, take half as much time talking as you are listening. Don't choose the small hills to die on. Bounce back with grace. Remember to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. As we wrap things up, we just remind you one final thing is that you are an ambassador for Christ. No matter what they do, Act in such a way that God would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 100% agree. We, we have to remember that our lives are lived to the audience of one. Mm-hmm. Do not live or act for the approval of the masses or the minorities, but to the glory of God alone. What does that look like? Search the scriptures. Don't just take our word for it or the word of someone else. Search God's word and it will be enough. Yes, indeed. However, though, in true fashion, as we like to wrap up each episode, beyond God's word, which you always point to first, uh, and even like I said, the Matthew 18 method, uh, Mark, what resources would you suggest to anybody who might need to know a little bit more about dealing with small church political situations? Yeah, I'm currently actually reading through a book right now. It was awesome the timing of this podcast and the timing of uh, going through this book. It's How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, Leveraging Influence When You Lack Authority by Clay Scroggins, and it's forwarded by Andy Stanley. It's a fantastic book that talks about being a leader when you're not in charge. Um, And for a lot of small town youth ministry guys and gals, this book is, I, I would almost put it as a top-tier essential book. It's its fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I would have to suggest to anybody uh, in youth ministry, Doug Field's book, Your First Two Years in Youth Ministry. But if you do not have it, or you do have it, uh, and you just want to rebrush up on things, get it out and look at chapter six of that book, because it's all about conflict. And there's really only one page that I'm just really saying this for. There is an excerpt written by Marv Penner. And I referenced it earlier, talking about the deciding which hill is worth dying on uh, section. 
It's absolute gold, that one page. But I'd highly suggest, obviously, the whole book, your first two years in youth ministry. Check out chapter six. Before we sign off, we just want to remind you all to connect with us on our Facebook community and Instagram or through our email at smalltownyouthmenpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your ministry stories and answer your questions. Also, we want to give you some free stuff. There are so many free resources that we have on our Facebook group, including the brand new teaching series, Whoever Finds God Finds Life. All you have to do is get on the page and download that stuff. But we do have an exclusive bundle of games for you to play with your group that we would love to send to you if you would just help us out by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. Then simply email us a screenshot. Again, that's smalltownyouthmenpodcast at gmail.com. These ratings and reviews really help us to get the word out about the podcast uh, so that new listeners can be reached, and we would really appreciate your help in doing that. If you don't have access to iTunes, we don't want to leave you hanging. Just share a post about the podcast with some of your youth ministry friends online. Send that to us, and we'll hook you up. But that's all for today. Be on the lookout for our new episode next month where we will discuss why and how to find a healthy support system. Until then, thanks for listening and God bless.